0: announcement the revolution will not be televised i repeat the hemp revolution will not be televised welcome to the hemp revolution podcast the global hotspot for the buzz and the can of biz hear the secrets of the green rush from the dreamers who are writing the rules innovating business and changing history forever Immerse yourself with the fascinating stories from the leaders in the hemp health revolution to learn how we are changing the game. Now here's your hosts, James Brinkerhoff and Sonia Gomez.
1: What's up guys? Sonia Gomez coming to you from Denver, Colorado on another Rock Your Socks episode of the Hemp Revolution podcast Where we are talking about and sharing the real story of cannabis through the eyes of the entrepreneurs who are pushing it forward. As you know, it is our mission to empower you with the truth about cannabis and hemp so that you can make educated decisions about how you want to care for yourself and the people that you love. If you are looking for products that you can depend on to deliver the results you're looking for, check us out at medicalsecrets.com. Our marketplace is chock full. Of products that I've personally vetted and approved. And if you're a budding entrepreneur or established business owner in this space, and you want to share and tell your story, shoot me an email. I'd love to get to know you better. Sonia at medicalsecrets.com. And I'll be excited to connect. You guys, once again, I have harvested one of the top folks in our space. And what I am finding out about success in cannabis and hemp is that it does not know any time. They say sometimes you have to invest 10,000 hours to be a part of uh, or an expert in any one industry. However, I am finding that people with unique skill sets and certain levels of success from other industries are easily able to make the transition and bring a tremendous amount of value into this current industry um, of cannabis and hemp. Our guest today, an international uh, business owner and resident now here inside of the US. Reed Stewart is CEO of Canoe Holdings and Hemsey. Reed is a people focused leader with a great vision and tenacity to push through challenges and overcome obstacles, no matter what they might be. With a particular skill and focus on business development and expansion, a drive to push the business to its ultimate goal of a public stock exchange listing within the next two years. Before investing, Reed worked in commercial real estate finance for two private equity groups and has been responsible for loans in excess of $25 million. Reed has been on the board of the ARC Millennial Advisory Committee, the North Buckhead Civic Association Master Plan Review, and enjoys skiing, golf, sailing, rugby, and travel. Originally from New Zealand, Reed has been involved Uh, with uh, and on an entrepreneurial track and has a record um, both in and out of the industry. In 2010, he actually set up a USI, and Improv USA, which were founded to help capitalize on the global financial crisis. And by buying up foreclosed land and houses across the US, rebuilt that company from zero to over 50 staff, and sold his ownership in the company back in 2013, and invested in a number of a real estate development projects, including the purchase and sale of a real estate of real estate in excess of 60 million, including the purchase and sale of a condo building, hundreds of development lots, and a large ongoing mixed-use development um, still in the works. He has been in the cannabis and hemp space for about 18 months. And I can't wait to share some of the success that he's enjoyed during that time and some words of wisdom that he might be able to share to those of you who are kickstarting in the game. Put your hands together and help me welcome my good friend, Reed Stewart. How's it going, Reed?
2: Hi, Sonia. How are you?
1: I'm doing good. Super excited to have you on. Um, you. I've done some pretty invasive research into who you are <laughs> and what you're up to. Um, I noticed sorry. That. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, not sorry. But uh, I would love to hear directly from you a little bit about who you are, what your background is, and how you ended up in the cannabis craze.
2: All right. So, yeah, I think you um, kind of explained my background just there. I've um, kind of always been entrepreneurial. Type character since I was pretty young and um, travelled for a number of years, kind of got out and saw the world, and then um, came over to America, um, set up a business for the um, after the the financial crisis, and um, I guess you know capitalized on that um, pretty well. And then about eighteen months ago, I was kind of I was working finance for private equity group, and I kind of got. You know, I was getting pretty bored. Uh, good, good living, pretty easy sort of work, and um, you know, but I was getting kind of bored. And then a friend of mine called me up, one of my business partners, um, and he's actually a sort of quite a large um, owner of a of a largish cannabis producer in, in Oregon, um, and they specialize in a you know really high end sort of. Um, cannabis product in now in oregon and and through California as well um and he said, Look, hemp's about to go legal and um you know why don't you come down and um you know we'll we'll work on a um on a business and 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 take advantage of it and I sort of came in um pretty fresh we ra- we raised a bunch of money off um some investors in um on my through through sort of my side of the world um came in. You know 18 months ago, not really knowing anything about the industry, he luckily knew, um, you know, how to produce a really sort of unique and high end product. Um, and you know, came in not knowing anything, and now 18 months later, have been through, um, you know, I guess a big market crash when we were came in, we were selling isolate at six thousand dollars a kilo, and now you know, I always stopped producing it because. We can buy it off these, you know, larger sort of ethanol producers for eight hundred dollars a kilo. You know, when we buy in bulk, that is. So, um, You know, we've seen dramatic price crashes. We've, you know, gone through a harvest, um, set up a um, an extraction lab, um, you know, all the trials and tribulations that come with that, staffing it. Um, you know, we've gone to market with wholesale products, um, and now uh, shifted our focus. To be you know right through to the retail, so um yeah i've been through been through a lot in 18 months, I guess
1: it sounds like you've had your hand in almost everything, um from soil to sale. that's a pretty fast learning curve to be on, huh
2: yeah, I mean um you know uh I guess you know I don't know um. The, so the the farmers um who you know, obviously a lot of hemp got grown this last harvest, right? So we um we linked up with a, a few different farmers and um you know, I guess um there was maybe, you know, several hundred thousand acres of hemp growing um when there was only really a, a demand for half of that much, you know. So um it's been, you know, that, that on that side of things it's been tough for a A lot of farmers, particularly in, you know, in Oregon where where we're based, um, been very tough for a lot of farmers with, you know, they're expecting to get prices of $20 a pound. You know, that was a sort of, um, you know, pretty sort of conservative guess that a lot of them were putting out there. And at the moment, you know, we can buy buy hemp for $5 a pound, you know. Wow. so it's been a, I mean, it's, it's it's the market at the moment is an absolute bloodbath, right? So um, you have seeing Jim um who are, you know, probably the poster child of industry compliance and, and, and scale, you know, they've gone bankrupt, um, you know, a number of other larger sort of um, players in the market I know are, are, are really, really struggling, you know, um, just because the price of a product is so oversupplied at the moment. Um, it's just, you know, it's a, it's a bit of a bloodbath. So what we've done is we, we're we lucky in the fact that we're the first and really the only ones on any scale doing like a fresh, frozen, live, risen hemp. Um, and so we, we freeze, you know, we, we harvest all the leaves off our plants, um, just harvest the buds, um, and then we freeze in the field uh, within, you know, a few hours of harvest. Um, And we extract using hydrocarbon, um, you know, um, BHOs and fresh frozen. So um, the oil that we get out of it's, you know, full of terpenes and um, really, really proper full spectrum, you know, no no further processing. Um, And that's kind of been a product for us that we're now, you know, making through into our end products and putting a lot of our white label goods. Um, And that product is really, really selling well and people – you know really love it and come back and reuse 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 um but as far as the manufacturing of all the you know the isolates and the distillate the full spectrum distillates and stuff like that we've pulled out of that completely just because um we have a lot of these really really large crossover labs so i know of a group out of, of new mexico who um is a hexane extraction and they can process 150,000 odd pounds of hemp a day into winterized crude at you know a pass-through rate of less than a dollar a kilo. You know, um, a yeah. dollar a pound. So it's just um, the industry has kind of had a lot of these smaller operators that have set up um, you know pretty common extraction methods like you know a you know 500 pounds a day ethanol rig with a 20 liter glass reactor. Um, Up against people that can extract, you know, one hundred and fifty thousand pounds a day. Um, It's just the the market, and and not only that, but those people who can extract one hundred and fifty thousand thousand pounds a day, they also extract, you know, another type of vegetable or another type of um, organic substance, and they just cross over their machinery. They pay a little bit for some extra, you know, fittings and fixtures on their machinery, but their machinery is all been paid off for 10 years, um, you know, and they've already got the capacity sitting there, it's, the machine's down. Instead, they wax some hemp in it and, um, and extract it. So I think the days of, um, you know, a small, you know, ethanol lab or, you know, to some extent CO2, um, those uh, extracting to crude oil, I think those days are much done. <laughs> On the hemp side of things anyway. So...
1: So interesting to hear you say that. And, uh, you know, I, I know that you have your hands in multiple facets, both as a, you know, an owner and operator of a, of a hemp company, but you're also, um, are you also actively investing into cannabis and hemp brands?
2: Yeah, um, but we, we're looking for brands. Now, we, we have two brands ourselves that, you know, is already operational. One of them, Hempsey, um, which is a tincture brand. Um, And then the other one, Truly Above, which we're just launching as a subscription brand. Um, We do, you know, we have interest in in brands, but right now um, we see a lot of price decline in terms of retail prices. Um, Obviously, wholesale prices have already come down really substantially, um, you know, by three times. And the retail prices, strangely enough, have held pretty firm, you know. That sort of $60 for a 1,000 milligram bottle of, you know, CBD Tincture. Um, so we believe that because of that, a lot of these brands who are, you know, purely marketing driven, they're not really, um, you know, they don't really have um, a lot of uh, production capacity. They're kind of, you know, someone else doing all the work, and really it's just an online marketing sort of ploy. Um we think that those brands at the moment are really, really overvalued just because the price, um, you know, that we've seen in the past has been so high that their revenues look, you know, massively attractive. They are massively attractive. Um, But we're kind of of waiting for the, you know, substantial price drops that we see happening in the retail sector. Um, And then we can sort of, because we've got a vertical integration and, we're kind of so our product quality is really is the best in the industry in terms of, you know, the fresh frozen libraries and being added to you know, our product range. We're, we're going to look for brands that, as the as the price comes down, um, you know, get squeezed on margin because they're obviously not doing the other things to keep their cost of goods low. Um, and we'll look at you know if, if they fit with our mold of high quality and um organically growing and um you know they've built a a, a business around, you know, ethics, (laughs) which is something that's tough to sometimes find in this industry at the moment. um, Then we will certainly, um, you know, we look at acquiring.
1: So interesting. Um, I love how you're talking about the criteria of investment and, you know, acquiring, acquiring a business. I think it's super important because a lot of people have the vision of being acquired, but don't really understand what it actually takes to be a, an attractive sale for somebody, and yeah, I mean,
2: so- there definitely is a good opportunity to build a you know anyone looking to start a CBD brand you know if they if they use the right product you know they they go through and make sure that all their production is cgmp um, you know they they have some efficacy in the way they make sure that they can go back and source where the hemp would grow and how it was. Um you know how the lifespan of the, the plant and and then also through the production process you know was was managed um you know I think there's still good opportunity for people looking to start a brand you know if they if they brand it well and they sell it online and they have the right product there's still good opportunity um but it's and and we expect you know as the f d a comes in with the rules. Um, it's, it's particularly, you know, ISO 9000 and CGMP, we expect a lot of the market, you know, to get a little bit cleared out um, mm-hmm. because there's going to be a, you know, a reasonably large hurdle um, to to get through in order to get that compliance done. Um, and, you know, a lot of people who are, even this coronavirus at the moment, right, I know for a fact because we, we know a lot of them there's a lot of labs at the moment that are really, really struggling, you know, sitting on a lot of product. And I'm dealing with dramatic price declines, um, you know, on hemp that are, that's often been already paid for at a higher price or or splits agreed at a, at a higher price. And um, a lot of crop damage happens, particularly in Oregon. So there's a lot of labs that are sort of teetering on the edge at the moment. So, you know, if we have a, 12 weeks shutdown or whatever even eight weeks there's going to be a lot of i think a lot of people getting, um, going out of business unfortunately
1: yeah and and hemp um Hempsey is your consumer facing brand yes
2: So well, hemp is actually a sort of seed to shelf wholesale brand um but yeah it has consumer products as well we've launched um consumer products about six to eight weeks ago um we've literally just launched with three different skews um, and they're live resin, live resin tinctures. So we call it Hempsey live oil. It's, you know, a fresh frozen live resin extract where it's, you know, comes out for about 18 to 20% terpenes in the oil when it comes out, you know, 20 to 30 different terpenes. It smells like a high-end cannabis um, concentrate, you know? Yeah. Um, There's nothing, really, there is nothing like it. And it's hard to produce, you know, we have to hand harvest. We, you know, we have to pick off all the fan leaves. We extract it frozen, so the throughput on our machines goes down, you know, 60, 70% because you're obviously extracting so much. There's so much frozen weight in there, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But the end product is kind of like all parts (laughs) equal the whole, right? So it's just something that, you know, those fresh frozen sort of terpenes and stuff like that are just impossible to replicate. You know, we tried to... Look at steaming terpenes, but the smell and the feel and the taste just, it's not as good, you know? So,
1: yeah, totally. What is, we- um,
2: So that's
1: a different. I mean, that's a little bit different than what you guys have been doing. And regardless of the of what you're doing in the industry, there's each facet comes with its own set of challenges. What for you in launching Hempsey and these consumer brand these consumer products, no matter their uniqueness, it's still a noisy marketplace. How how are you guys marketing, and how are you guys setting yourselves apart right now, besides your formulation? How are you guys getting your customers?
2: Um, so, <laughs> we have a kind of, like, we've got a, um, I, I've hired a guy who's an expert at building, you know, B2B sales systems. Mm-hmm. Um, so, we've just designed a sales system um, that, you know, relies on a, on a process and, um, you know, mainly phone-based. Um, you know, <laughs> um, we, we believe, or I, I sort of, I've been led to believe that, and we, we've just launched and we are seeing some early success. Um, that you know telephone sort of you know prospecting and having um, you know a bunch of salespeople um, calling through leads, calling you know whether it's and, and our first um, our first hit is business to um, business to business. it's into you know um, smoke shops and um, health food shops and you know as much big brand as we can get as well. So we're launching a retail platform and then also at the same time, we're launching you know an affiliate program and some sort of network marketing type plays where um, we try and recruit salespeople you know on on a sort of virtual basis to um to sell the products within communities.
1: Nice. love it. Uh, that's the first time I've heard in a long time besides the clients that I've re- recommended it to, um, the the use of the call floor. God, such an underutilized, underutilized thing, I think.
2: Yeah and it's you know it's a bit of management you got to have the right architecture on there I think with all the um you know the SaaS applications available today in terms of um you know building an infrastructure that can be scaled um virtually um you know that's a that's a really big sort of um a big plus that you can scale a sales team you know virtually and people don't have to work you know 10 hours a day they can work a few hours a day and um, you know, you can sort of monitor the entire sales force, you know, from a, from a, you know, if you set it up properly from a, a virtual terminal, you know?
1: Yeah, totally. Love that, by the way. Um, I'm all about, you know, health and lifestyle um, and sitting behind a desk all day doing something till your, you know, knuckles are bleeding is not necessarily the picture of health. Um, so yeah. I, I absolutely love building in that work life balance and giving people a chance to be really potent in a short period of time. Um, What for you have been, you alluded to some of this stuff earlier, but again, you're, you're running sort of a multifaceted business here. So what has been for you universally one of the, one or two of the biggest challenges that you have faced in growing and scaling? You talked a lot about the bottoming out of pricing. Um, You talked about quality, quality, Ethics in the industry. I heard you say. What have been a couple of the other hurdles that you guys have to have to navigate your way through?
2: Oh, I think just how how um how fast things are changing, and um, picking what opportunities to follow. Right. So, you know, there's a lot of a lot of things that come at you when you're when you're building a business. That um, you know, I guess it's it's hard to pick the right opportunities. There's so many opportunities. There's so many products. There's so many different things. I think picking a lane, you know, making sure it's a good lane, but picking a lane and staying in it um, rather than, you know, rather than trying to do too many things Um, and also, you know, having the ability to, because the market's changing so fast, it's a dynamic marketplace, um, you know, having the ability to sort of see what's coming and then also, you know, having the business sort of light enough to be able to pivot, um we've pivoted, you know, several times. Um you know, so we've had some failings definitely in terms of um, you know, we've we've chased roads that weren't necessarily the roads we should have been chasing, but just to stick in there and then pivot um you know, pivot the business to um to oh <laughs> <it your> child. <laughs> yeah, I we got all the
1: we got the coronavirus madness. <laughs> um it's dumping snow outside
2: and uh, yeah. yeah and we have all the kids Uh, all the kids at home oh nice um yeah so just being able to pivot or you know and then when you find what's working stick to it um and try and excel at you know one thing before you go on to the next i guess
1: yeah that's really good advice i i overhead low (laughs) yeah Um, keeping the overhead low, I was just going to say, that's a, that's a tough lesson. I think a lot of entrepreneurs are learning right now. And I think as an industry, you know, a lot of folks wanted to be the biggest and the best, right. And, um, a lot of ego came into the business building strategies, rather not many folks chose to be, Conservative in their approach when getting into this space, and that reflects now what, as you were mentioned, you know big players in the game going bankrupt um, we're seeing huge reductions in staff, major pivots um, in yeah. in businesses of every size, and you know I think that one of the so in in this part of the words of wisdom, um, you know one of the things that I will say is you absolutely have to act conservatively. Uh, you could, Your vision can be massive, but your overhead should not be. And neither should your um, expansion plan be too much too fast. That is like, I think the biggest Achilles heel for businesses, um, you know, and really determines whether or not they succeed or fail. And please let me know if you agree with this. Is if you try and expand too quickly, you don't have the proper runway in your budget, and mm. you don't have the proper team. It really comes down to team, time, and resources. Yeah, and if those things would... don't match up, it's pretty tough.
2: Cash flow is king, you know, and I think, um, you know, our board of directors, you know, to use some advice they gave me early on, which I kind of somewhat listened to. Um, And I guess the market kind of drives you to listen to wise people sometimes. But, um, you know, I think um, lead with revenue, you know, don't overbuild the company thinking that, you know, sales are just going to take off. Wait till the sales take off before you sort of expand capital and look at outsourcing um, as much of the, you know, the cash burden. Yeah, it costs you a little bit more to outsource, but. Um, if you can outsource and, and not have that sort of monthly drain, if things don't go as planned, which, you know, in this industry, they just don't. Like if I haven't seen one thing go as planned yet, um, then you're not like leaving yourself in a hole where you have to either like fire a bunch of people or, you know, you're digging, you're using up all your cash. So, um, you know, like a a sort of fulfillment process and um, a, a business model where you've, outsourced, you know, maybe a bunch of the sort of, you know, machinery needs and the labor needs, um, you know, whether that's, you know, using a white label manufacturer um, to fill your tinctures and even if you provide them oil, which we do, you know, and and we mix everything, but we don't bottle and we don't label. We send that to the CGMP compliant factory who, who does that for us and they also, you know, drop shift and fulfill our orders. Um, And that means like, yeah, you pay more per item, um, but you don't have to go to the, you know, fork out a bunch of money on equipment that you don't know is working yet and you don't have to um, carry overhead staffing in office, et cetera. Um, You can just pay someone else, you know, to to take that burden. And then if you do get to a scale where, you know, you've got enough volume to to bring that in-house, then, you know, do it later. Don't do it at the start. And you're seeing that with a lot of these groups, like um, you know, uh, some the I guess these bigger outfits that are um, that have scaled really large, and maybe they thought prices would come down by fifty percent, but not you know seventy five percent. You know, and then you've got like the the industry is so dynamic. You've got things like you know these guys out of that that can extract one hundred and fifty thousand pounds a day using existing machinery. Um, You've got groups like that that have come into the marketplace that no one really foresaw um, and they can take huge, you know, huge amounts of, of, um, of products to the crude oil or the, you know, the, the, the winterized crude oil um, on a, you know, on a scale that, you know, is really hard to compete with given, especially that they've paid off their machinery five years ago, you know, so it's really not a big burden for them. They're not, They're not having any extra overhead, whereas these big groups who have set up big, you know, say ethanol rigs doing, you know, say fifty thousand pounds a day, they've just bought warehouses, they've bought all their equipment, they've taken on a huge amount of spent a huge amount of capital to get into a position where now, uh, you know, thinking they'd be industry leading, where now they're actually competing against guys that have been doing this for years, you know, on different in different sectors. So. yeah, and also, you know, think high quality. I think, um, you know, with us, we've seen our live resin oil and our you know Hempsey live oil, which is the basis of all our retail products and, you know, the um, hottest selling item that we have. We've actually limited um, the bulk sale of it now in, in terms of the bulk, you know, the raw oil because um, we, you know, we only harvested a certain amount of frozen hemp and we don't want to use it all up would rather use it up in the higher margin sort of retail products. Um, you know, like having a really like a high quality product that's not so much of a commodity, you know?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so super key in all of this is, is those unique differentiators and making sure that you don't become, with so much effort to preserve the uniqueness, you really don't want to become a Me Too product.
2: Yeah, I think... Um, You know, for what we've seen is like the efficacy of our product with uh, our users is that people come back, you know, like you get the repeat buyer, repeat buyer, repeat buyer because it's something that no one else can really replicate in the industry, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you can get a, you know, a a product that's high quality and, you know, it keeps the buyers coming back, your cost of customer acquisition, obviously, if you're, you know, the lifespan of the customer is longer is just, you know, there's always a, a temptation to go. No, let's just make an isolate tincture. Um, you know, because I'm paying eight dollars, um, from a white label company for a thousand milligrams rather than eighteen dollars or something like that. Um, but the cost of that customer acquisition and the you know, the efficacy of the product in the longer term, it's better to take the the road of um, you know, building something quality so you get a loyal client base and a um, you know, a repeat business because the cost of customer acquisition is high, you know, and the longer you can stretch that out by repeat business, the better.
1: Couldn't agree more. What's next for you guys? What is the next, um, what is the um, next sort of milestone you guys are reaching? So
2: We're currently actually scaling our, our sales. Um, mm-hmm. We've launched with a limited SKU line for Hempsey because that live resin product, um, you know, we, we believe the most sort of efficient, Um, way to deliver it is just in in different strength pinches at this point. We've got Mm -hmm. some gel caps, some plant-based gel caps in development um, and actually a really good cream that's um, a patented cream from the Harvard Medical School um, uh, University of Georgia Harvard Medical School educated pharmacist um, who developed a cream that gets through more layers of the skin um, and it's all patented and They've been selling it for quite some time without a CBD additive, so we are looking at um, doing a CBD additive to that. Um, but just finding, you know, high-quality products that are um, not widely available and kind of work. <laughs> um, and, and for us now, we're, we're recruiting um, salespeople, virtual salespeople um, that can work from home and, you know, sell the products um, to you know, to customers, whether it be friends and family or, you know, on a larger scale. Um and we've actually implemented some stuff so, you know, people get paid automatically. So they, you know, once a their customer buys, obviously it gets fulfilled from our central point, but they get paid um, you know, like sort of like Uber, they we pay them the day it ships. So it's kind of like using technology to scale a sales team that um, you know, has benefit for the the people selling it because you know maybe they want to sell 10 bottles and make you know a couple of hundred bucks and they can get paid in it day you know
1: mm-hmm.
2: um so yeah that's basically what we're focusing on right now
1: awesome well i i love the work that you guys are doing i personally am a stickler for quality um i have a pretty transformational story when it comes to that connects me to cannabis and hemp um yep. And so quality is everything for me and, um, really understanding where my product is coming from and what is inside of it, um, is super important to me, which is the, why a lot of the reason why I wanted to have you guys on the show, because I know you, that you guys are doing something that's pretty unique and that you have, have your hand in multiple areas of the industry and you guys are, you know, primarily self-taught so through experience so i think those things really set you guys apart um, where can folks find you if they're interested in testing and trying your product or if they um are wanting to follow your journey at all
2: so hempsey.com, h-e-m-p-s-i.com um, is our web address um we're also on facebook and all those social media channels as well um, and then, um, you know, if, if there's any interest in um, in either becoming a sales agent or a, um, a customer, they can email um, hemp, uh, sorry, info at com or sales at hempsey.com. So, H E M P S I.com.
1: Perfect. Well, thank you again for your time with us here today. And for those of you guys who are tuning in, thanks so much for being a part of the Hemp Revolution community and the medical secrets family. We thrive on supporting you guys, making sure that you have direct access to the top quality products that are available. So if you're someone who's looking for products that you can depend depend on to deliver the results that you're looking for that are unique and tasty, check us out at medicalsecrets.com for some easy to digest information and some of my top picks inside of our marketplace. Um, and also if you are a business owner or budding entrepreneur, I'd love to hear more about your story, um, and what you're up to in the industry. Shoot me an email, Sonia at medicalsecrets.com, and I'll be happy to help. As you know, it takes a team to make the world, to, uh, make the world of cannabis and hemp expand and Um, and reach more people. And when you like and share content like this, you are quite literally helping us transform the way that we think about and talk about cannabis inside of our families and communities. So I invite you now to like and share. Make sure that you tag some people that you believe are going to get a benefit from listening to this episode. And I'll be super excited to continue to celebrate the impact that we're making globally. We've reached over 200 million people around the world with our content. And I need your help to continue to transform the way that we think about and talk about cannabis. Um, I'm your hostess with the mostest, Sonia Gomez. Remember to be healthy and be kind. We will see you guys on our next show.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode. We took notes on this episode for you, along with all the links and resources mentioned in the episode. Get them free on the show notes page here at www.medicalsecrets.com. If you love this show and our content, please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you really want to help us get the message out there, please rate, review, and tell all your friends. With your help, we can continue to reach the world with our message. And until next time, we hope you join the hemp revolution. And we challenge you to dream big and love the life you live.